from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. That was pretty good, actually. Close. It's Tiny House Podcast. This is Perry Gruber. Good morning. This is Michelle. And this is Mark. I don't know why I used my last name that time. That, that was weird. I don't know why I said Now people morning. know who you are. Exactly. Ooh, no Googling stocking. <laughs> yeah. And with us today, we have Brittany, I hope I'm saying your last name right, Younger. You got it. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? Hey. A good sign. Welcome, Brittany. Brittany is the, the owner of the Bayside Bungalow. One of my favorite tiny houses from early on when I first started looking at the tiny house movement. Uh, and as I understand it, uh, Brittany, you rent your bungalow and you have been renting your bungalow out for some time. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. I built it back in, gosh, 09, I guess, with the intent to live in it. But for the so past over three years now, I've been renting it out to other folks that are kind of interested in tiny houses. And, um, you know, I kind of call it a a tester tiny home or, you know, try your own tiny house home for size because, you know, a lot of people don't know what it's like to, to be in a home. That's, uh, mine is roughly 165 square feet if you, if you count the loft, which I do. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been really fun to, uh, to, you know, open the house up to people and, and share a little bit of, you know, my life and with them and hopefully, Hopefully inspire some people or maybe just scare some people off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you said you've been renting it for the last three years? I have, yeah. Um, so I, I actually lived, I built it as a, as a home for myself with the full intent to, you know, live in it till the end of my days, um, you know, by myself. But I, I didn't factor in the fact that I might not be living alone for the rest of my oh, life. I... And uh, <laughs> while I was building the tiny house, met my boyfriend and we're still together six years later. Uh, and so, you know, after a couple of years of living in the tiny house by myself, we decided to, you know, shack up together, if you will. And, uh, and we just decided that that house was not something that we wanted to live in together. Um, we wanted to kind of go into a neutral space together that was not his, not mine. It was ours. And, um, and so then, you know, the, the problem came up of, oh my God, what do, I, what do I do with this house? Because I love it. It's a part of me. You know, I spent a good portion of a year building it. And um, so, you know, it, it, it kind of took, uh, it took a bit of figuring out to, to, to figure out what to do with it. But, um, you know, it actually spent a year down in Portland uh, near you guys, I guess, uh, if, with my friend Lena Menard, who I think you've done a, a podcast with. She lived in it for almost a year while she was going to school there. I remember that um, in our interview. Yeah. yeah, totally. That was kind of the, the tiny house's first venture out and away from me. But it was great. It was really great to share, you know, the house with her. She took great care of it. it and it just felt good to, to share with other people who are really getting something out of experiencing the tiny house. And so after that, people kept emailing me, you know, oh, can I stay in your house? I, I want to I wanna experience one. And just kind of organically came to become a vacation rental in the fact that there was already a demand before it even existed. <laughs> so I have um, 
my parents uh, own a bed and breakfast at their home, and they've my mom actually started the bed and breakfast uh, when I was one as a you know business for herself that she could be kind of a stay at home mom but still have an income. So I grew up in that hospitality setting, um, you know, welcoming people into our home, onto our property, and that property is where the tiny house was when I lived in it. And so my parents were um, welcoming at the idea of having the tiny house on their property as a vacation rental, you know, they're used to having people walk around the yard and, um, and it's a beautiful little piece of property too. So it's, uh, right outside of Olympia, Washington, uh, on the shore of the Puget Sound, it's a waterfront property. It's got a little, you know, trail down to the beach. It's, it's a really great setting. So, um, I think, you know, most of my guests come there to experience a tiny house. Um, but you know, there's the added benefit that you can go down to the beach and, collect sand dollars and, and, and things like that. So when you, when you, when Lena was living in it, where was it? It was located in, uh, Lena was living in it in Portland and she was able to find just through family, friends, uh, friends and family, um, uh, a place to park it. So she, she dealt with the, you know, where it's going to be parked and, um, we, she and I got it down there for her together. So that's a, that seems like a pretty big trust Thing to be willing to, it's one thing to let, let someone live in your tiny house that you spent your, you know, blood, sweat and tears building, but it's another thing to move it someplace where someone's going to live in it at a distance from you. Are you a friend of Lina's? Well, actually, that's an interesting story, too. So my boyfriend and Lena went to college together, and so they were friends. And um, when we first started dating, uh, Lena, you know, called my boyfriend, and, you know, they're chatting, and, you know, my boyfriend's like, oh, hey, I just met this girl, and, you know, she's, she has a tiny house, and, you know, she was already into the tiny house movement at the time. Was, oh, my gosh, you know, tiny houses. So as soon as I vacated the tiny house, she was very quick to give me a ring and share her idea about <laughs> living in it and moving it down to Portland and, uh, you know, renting it for a year. Wow. Sharing boyfriends and tiny houses. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about sharing. <laughs> it took her a minute. It took her a minute. <laughs> so, so, um, let's go back a little bit further. So what, um, so you grew up in the hospitality sort of industry or, or environment, um, be, be, before, um, before you started building the tiny house, talk about the, what was the process like? How did you arrive at that as a solution, um, you know, for where to live? And, and how did you become involved in the tiny house movement? Because, as you know, your build, of, your build was one of the earlier ones. Um, and uh, I agree, I agree with Perry, by the way. It's really, really beautiful. And I, and I keep on meaning to drop by on my way. My boyfriend actually lives in Tacoma, so... I'm up there all the time, but tell us about your, uh, tell us about the process and, and how you came to, to build it. Well, um, let's see, I was, when I was in college, I was looking for a place to, to land, you know, after I, um, sorry, I'm getting a little feedback, after I, um, after I graduated from college, you know, I, I graduated with a degree in in business administration, and I didn't really know where I was going to land, what I was going to do. You know, I got that degree so that I could do whatever I wanted. Um, and I've always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. But, you know, I had no idea where that was going to take me, and I didn't have this distinct or unique passion quite yet for any one thing that I could decide on. So that was a bit terrifying. But, you know, I, I ended up, I, again, was working in the hospitality industry uh, up in Alaska at a fishing lodge, and then I got a job working in Chile at a fly fishing lodge in Patagonia. Wow. And 
it was actually when I was in Chile that, you know, I loved working down there. The people that I worked with were great, but I was, I was really lonely, actually. There weren't many people that I worked with there that were my age. And um, so I just kind of had my little room there at the lodge and I had internet access and, you know, the, the Googling began of like, what the heck am I going to do when I get back to the United States? And I had stumbled across a tumbleweed tiny houses because they were kind of the only, one of the only tiny house companies out there at the time. And we had actually looked into tiny houses as an option for my grandmother, um, a couple of years before that, when she was ailing as a, trying to figure out a way to kind of house her on our property, um, but we didn't have a room for her. So what were we going to do? So, uh, you know, I'd heard about tiny houses and the seed was kind of planted then. And then, you know, just kind of by the fact of not having much else to do in my off time, uh, while I was abroad, I, you know, just thought, wow, okay, this tiny house thing is really an option. My parents' property has space to park it at least for now. And I could build it there. And, uh, you know, so actually from my computer in Chile, <laughs> I, I ended up buying plans from Tumbleweed because wow. uh, I had no building experience whatsoever, knew absolutely nothing about building. And I bought my, just randomly, I bought my little fireplace, my little Dickinson propane fireplace, you know, um, and I bought that, I bought the plans, you know, so I was in like more than a thousand dollars by then, by the time I flew back home. So, um, so that was, you know, I was just kind of like, I'm going to do this. Wow. <laughs> but you know, I should, I should mention too that I had met Dee Williams. She lives here in Olympia near me. And I had met her before then just out of curiosity, you know, shot her an email and she was gracious enough to kind of show me her house. And, and she was a huge inspiration for me. Um, I, I expected when I met her that she was going to be some huge Amazon woman who was, you know, seven feet tall and, <laughs> you know, ripped and, Dee is very strong, <laughs> but she was a very petite person. And so I thought, wow, you know, okay, you know, as a kind of petite female, I can, I could probably do this. I think I could do this. So she was a huge inspiration and ended up being a mentor for me as I, as I built the tiny house too, and helping me, you know, figure out how to not chop my hand off on a table saw. I think I've seen pictures of her. Um, didn't she help you with it a little bit here and there? And yeah, she was great. She was kind of my drive-by safety inspector. She would just randomly show up and drive by, and she and her dog would, you know, hop out of their truck, and, uh, you know, they would, she would always come at the, the perfect time, too, because I would, you know, just be stumped. I'd be sitting there standing at the, looking at the build and just have this, you know, horrible look of, like, oh, my God, what have I done on my face? And she comes out, and, you know, with her experience and everything, we were able to, you know, solve a bunch of problems together. So she did give me uh, a, quite a bit of help. What was the what was the building experience like for you? You know, you know, thinking back, I think it was just about anything in our lives. We tend to remember the the good things and we forget the bad things. Let's talk about um, the bad. And this was <laughs> years ago for me. So, um, but it, it took me about five months to build uh, from pretty much the time that I got the trailer to the time that I moved in, wow. and in. It was challenging. I was I was completely working on the tiny house 100% of the time. I was not working at the time. I was unemployed. So, you know, I had the benefit of being able to work on it for 50 or 60 hours a week. But it was it was exhausting. I was, I guess, probably about 25 at the time. So, you know, young and energetic and um, but 
you know, it was, it took a lot of energy and there were times when I thought, oh my God, you know, I'm going to give up. What am I, gonna, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm just going to scrap this, sell what I've already done and, and move on. But, you know, there was, I guess I always kept in the back of my mind, well, you know what, if you do come to the time where you, you do give up, like, that's fine. <laughs> You're not completely stuck in this. I can sell it, but I failure think failure was always an option. <laughs> it was always an option, but I, I never had to, had to do that. You know, um, I've always been kind of a self-starter and, a you know, learn how to do things myself. If I get stuck, I go to the library, check out a book, figure it out. So it was, it was kind of just like a giant puzzle for me, actually, um, just to figure out how it all went together. And so far, it hasn't fallen over. Right. What would you say is the hardest part of the build? The biggest challenge. Yeah. The biggest, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything... <sighs> One thing that comes to mind, I just think the the perseverance mentally to to stick with it and to not get burnt out and to, you know, even after maybe a weekend away when you, you know, don't want to think about putting another hammer in your hand and doing anything else, just sticking with it and, and answering people's questions because that really got me down during the build is because tiny houses weren't a thing then, you know, people looked at me like I was insane when I said, I'm building a little cabin and it's like, it's going to be on wheels. And you know, there there weren't any TV shows about it. (laughs) Nobody knew what it was, it seems like. And so I got a lot of, you know, doubt from people and what are you going to do about this? And what are you going to do about that? And, and at the time I didn't have the answers Mm -hmm. and that freaked me out, but they don't all need to be answered at once. You tackle one problem at a time and, and figure it out. And so getting through that, I think, was, was probably one of my biggest challenges. Did you build it by yourself? For the most part, I did, yeah. I, my father had recently retired when I was starting out on the build, and um, I love my father dearly. <laughs> and, and I thought that, you know, oh, this is going to be a great you know, father-daughter project, and, and we can do this together. And he did, I did attend a, a workshop um, taught by Tumbleweed, and my dad went with me, and, and you know, it was, it was informative. It, it gave me, it gave me kind of the, the toolkit I needed to answer the questions. You know, it didn't answer all of my questions at all, um, but it, it helped me figure out where to find those, those answers. And, but, you know, so my, I thought, okay, my dad and I are going to build this together. Well, my mom pulled me aside one day, and she said, you know, honey, I just need to let you know that your father... He really isn't that handy. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. I, I guess I hadn't realized that, you know. Um, but so, so we started out, and it was, it was great. But what I did figure out that it wasn't necessarily my father or anybody. It was, it was I needed to work alone because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. No idea. And it was like the blind leading the blind if there were two of us up there. Um, <laughs> so I really found it easiest to work alone except for the times when you literally just need two sets of hands but um uh that was what was easiest for me to not get overwhelmed and to just work on it step by step because when there are multiple steps going on I got totally lost mm. so the 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 area up there is pretty wet is there did you have any problems with with moisture or anything like that in your build like how did you what kind of um I know, like, Abel's, Abel, do you know Abel Zimmerman up there? Yeah, yeah, I do. I know he has this innovative moisture gap that he builds into his tiny houses, and I'm really fascinated with that innovation he created. Did you have problems with moisture in your build? During the build, it, it was a bit rainy. Um, 
You know, to be honest with you, I was building in the spring, and it must have been a pretty dry spring because I, I don't remember being too worried about the wet. I was able to get the walls up pretty quickly and at least get a tarp over, you know, the main part, you know, the sheathing, I guess, and kind of the shell of the house. And, and I actually was, you know, I was working in Alaska that summer, so I, I set the house aside and put a giant tarp over it for three months during the summer and then came back and finished it out in the fall. Wow. And, and to, I don't, I haven't noticed anything that I can pin specifically to it getting wet while I was building it, but it's definitely an issue in the house with moisture, A, from the air, just in our damp climate, but from showers, from cooking, from people just breathing, um, or if there's any pets in there, it's another body breathing. Um, you just have there to hold your breath for a lot of moisture inside the house. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brittany. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, at the time, you know, nobody really advised me to put in any active ventilation or anything like that. So I don't have any, you know, I don't have a, a hood, like a range hood over the, the cooktop. I don't have a shower fan or anything like that. And I, you know, if there's one thing that I could easily retrofit in the house, it would be that, um, would be putting in some active ventilation because it does get really damp around here. Yeah. yeah. So it's still beautiful as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you. So um, was there anything that you bought or um, anything that you sort of originally started out um, that designed into your house and then later changed your mind or decided it wasn't really going to work out? Um, my return, I just recently completed my build and my return pile to, uh, to Home Depot was pretty sizable. They made fun of me actually. Um, so what, what was that process like where you start the build thinking it's going to be one thing and then, and then it ends up being something completely different? That's a good question. I think, you know, the one thing that I have changed since, since building it, I can't, I can't think of anything specifically that I, you know, like kind of just bagged the whole idea and, and changed course. Um, I, I have gone through about five different iterations of a heating system in the house. And, you know, in Olympia here, it doesn't get, we're, we're pretty temperate because we're close to the water. Mm -hmm. uh, but so it doesn't freeze, get these deep freezes or anything, but it does get chilly in the winter. And so I started out with the Dickinson propane stove, propane fireplace, which I do still have in the house. But I, I built that in thinking it was going to be my sole heat source, that it was going to be the only thing that I needed in the house. And, and I, I quickly realized that, you know, it, it did work fine when I was home to get the house up to temp. But when I was away, you're not supposed to leave them on. <laughs> you're not supposed to leave those little little fireplaces on while you're not there it's not recommended by the manufacturer. So, you know, I would go to work and then come back home and it's 45 degrees inside my house. Yes. And then that little thing would take an hour to an hour and a half to heat the house up. So it was just an hour, an hour and a half. I, I was not willing to wait. So then I, I started, I got a little radiator heater, which had a remote that worked okay, but that cooked the loft. It was so hot <laughs> upstairs and that it would be, you know, 65 degrees downstairs. And then I, I scrapped that. I got a little Envy heater, um, oh, yeah. which is pretty, I think are pretty popular now in tiny houses. They're about 475 watts, a little electric convection heater. It hangs on the wall, really low profile. And that was actually Lena's idea. She put it in and um, I loved it. And so I was like, can I buy this from you? And do we just keep it here? <laughs> so uh, that was great. It's low, low wattage. But again, just sometimes that, that alone doesn't cut it in the house in the wintertime. So now I've finally settled on um, a small infrared heater. 
in my tiny house, in addition to the propane stove that's still there. The, um, you know, I really love infrared, and I, I first experienced it actually at um, Joan, who runs PAD, Portland Alternative Dwellings. Um, there's a little tiny house in her backyard, which I was able to stay in, the, um, the Sweet Pea, I think it's called. Yep. And that's the first time that I experienced an infrared heater in a tiny house, and um you know, I was, I was hanging out there and I was, I was spending the night. So I was, um, you know, staying in the loft, in the bed in the loft. And so I remember reading my book, you know, downstairs and then being ready to go to bed. And I went up into the loft and the loft was the same temperature as the downstairs. <laughs> and, and I realized that that's how infrared heat works is that it heats kind of the objects in the room. So it heats the walls, it heats the windows, the floors, it heats everything evenly instead of heating the air where the hot air rises up to the, you know, up to the loft. So that's kind of how I landed on the infrared heater. And I so far have been really happy with it. I was able to find one that's hung on the wall so it doesn't take up very much space. And Hmm. it's been great so far. So the infrared heater, what kind of draw is that? How many watts, how many amps? Um, And also what's your power system hook up like? Well, the little infrared heater that I started with was um, just a teeny tiny one. I mean, it's like the size of my coffee mug that it plugs into the wall and kind of hangs off of the outlet. And that's the smallest one that I found that I started with. And that's, uh, I think, about 400 watts. Um, I've upgraded it since um, to a 1,000-watt heater that it run, it can run on half power or full power because – and, and I need something that's not, you know, 1,500 watts or, you know, 12, 13 amps because I don't have that much capability as far as electricity goes. I'm, I'm about 300 feet away from the main power source, which is my parents' house. And even though we ran a, a, a full buried kind of cable up there, buried wire, I still only safely have access. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm getting all of these electrical terms wrong, <laughs> but I hope none of you are electricians. But I, I think I only have the capability to access about like 13 or 14 amps or something before we start getting a little dangerous. Right, right. Well, that's pretty common. That's pretty common. 15 amp circuit is pretty common. Yeah. 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 It's- so you, you so you lived in your tiny house for a couple of years and then you met your boyfriend and now you're living in what? <laughs> I'm living in a house stuck in the ground that is about 950 square feet. We uh, we actually just bought a bought this house a couple of years ago and um, you know it's been it's been really fun to to kind of take some of those things that I've learned from living in my tiny house and and kind of bring that into our home here and um, you know, I think at first when I moved out of the tiny house and, and was still kind of trying to be connected to the tiny house movement, I, I kind of felt like a failure, like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a tiny houser anymore. <laughs> and, you know, what are people going to think? And, and I've, you know, been a traitor. And, but wow. I think that any of us, no matter what our living situation is, that we can incorporate the kind of the, the basics of tiny house living in our in our normal lives you know I installed a pause button on my shower so I don't have to use the water all the time when I'm in the shower when I'm which I I have that in my tiny house so I don't use so much hot water um you know I hang my clothes to dry I don't use the dryer very much here you know just little things like that that we can little steps that we can all take um to kind of lessen our impact and and live tiny no matter what our living situation is but um you know it was it was 
fun that Dylan and I didn't, my boyfriend and I didn't have, to, didn't feel like we had to go out and buy that 2,000 square foot house because that's what all of our friends were doing. Was, you know, we very much consciously decided that we were going to have a small house with few bedrooms with one bathroom because um, we didn't need any more than that. And how big is that house? Uh, that, it's about, it's just under a thousand. It's like okay. 950 square feet. So what was your biggest kind of extravagance in going from the tiny house to the McMansion that is under a thousand square feet? What's that all the way? We get this now, kind of what was, uh, yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah, we, okay, so we have a hot tub. Uh, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> you sell out. <laughs> this was not my idea. It was actually something that, that he wanted very much. And when we were looking for houses, we found, you know, after five months of looking, we found the house. And we had no idea how to hot tub. But I went into the backyard, back, backyard finally and kind of turned the corner. I was like, oh, my God, this is the house. And it has a hot tub. Crap. Nice. You know, what are we <laughs> he gets his hot tub now. So we do. We have a hot tub. <laughs> So are you sure moving out of the tiny house wasn't his idea? Like he didn't like I'm not living in that tiny house with you. We got to live uh, in real house. Oh, definitely. He 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 said something very similar. To this. <laughs> um and and he loves the tiny house. You know, we do one of the fun things about renting it out now is that I we can schedule ourselves a little staycation or getaway oh, in the tiny cool. house. Um but you know, he loved it. It's it's great, but you know, he's big into outdoor sport and so am I, but but, you know, we've got a lot of gear together. And so when I did, when I kind of designed the interior layout of the house, I had me in mind and my things in mind. And so looking back on it, if, if I had met my, him, my partner, you know, a year before that, and maybe we had decided to move into this tiny house together, decided to design it together, it, it could have worked out, I think. Hmm. Um, but I just didn't have that, that forethought that, wow, you know, <laughs> I might consider somebody else living in this house with me. Well, that's the, that's the challenge, right, of building a tiny house is oftentimes you're building, I think, Michelle, check me out here, but you're building in the moment. And in the moment, whether you're have, if you have a partner, then you're building with that person in mind. If you don't have a partner, then you're building with your own estate. You're not in too mind. far in the future. Yeah, right? you're not too far in the future. Yeah. Would you say that's the case? Oh, that definitely happened to me, yeah. You know, but we, we have talked about the fact that, you know, this is great to have the flexibility that if either of us were to lose our jobs or we wanted to you know, downsize or rent out the house that we own now together, we want to rent that out. We could all, we could always live in the tiny house if we had to, or I've even thought of perhaps building another tiny house, but making it just the office and the living room or something like that. Because my house already has a bathroom. It already has a kitchen. It has like all the plumbing things that you need, you know, but what is missing from that house, I think for us as a couple is kind of the, the separate workspaces and a kind of relaxy, maybe like some sort of sofa type place where we can, <clears throat> where we can curl up together and watch a movie or something like that. Do, do you guys uh, both work at home? We, I work from home part time and, and Dylan does also kind of works from home a, a bit part time. So, you know, right now we share a about six foot desk together. So if we're both sitting in here, we're kind of rubbing, rubbing elbows, even in our larger home. So this isn't to go all Jerry Springer or anything on you, but have you ever had any, uh, Dylan, man, I'm I'm out of here. I'm going to the tiny house for the night moments. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really lucky to say that we are not fighters nice. or arguers at all. But I have always joked that you know, with 
with other people, maybe not with him. Oh, don't tell him I said this. But, you know, heaven forbid, if I find myself single in the future, I would move back into the tiny house in a, in a heartbeat. You know, it's, it's still enough for me. Yeah, very cool, cool. I've had the luxury of, of um, sort of learning from all the tiny housers that go before me. So although, Perry, to answer your question for my build, it was, it's very much real time, you know, like I'm, it's about me and it's what I want and what I need. But on the other hand, I did build a second loft so kids. that my kids could, you know, come visit. Um, of course, again, I already have kids, so, you know, it's kind of a now and a later sort of. But we have a joke. We have a, Mark and I have a joke that um, I'm going to put my tiny house in his backyard so that I have a place to go when I'm yeah. mad at him. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty realistic about that. We're probably never, ever going to share my tiny house mm -hmm. together either. It's just not quite, not quite enough space for the two of us. Yeah. So, so um, Brittany, when you started, Mark and I were talking before the interview, and, and I think you, when you started renting your tiny house out, that was before the advent of Airbnb. Is that right? It was definitely before I knew about Airbnb. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but for the first year or so, right, I did not rent, I did not use Airbnb as a tool. Um, I actually was thinking about this today when I was kind of going over, you know, what might come up in this podcast is I was remembering, and I have forgotten this, but I was remembering that I first started renting out the tiny house as I didn't have, you know, it wasn't a business. It was just me and my tiny house trying to be nice to people and letting them stay there. And I actually did it by suggested donation. And that's kind of how it organically started. And, um, Kent uh, of the, um, Kent Griswold was gracious enough to kind of give me some free publicity and, you know, make it, make it known to the world wide web that, you know, people could stay there at a, for a suggested donation. And then it started becoming popular. I was like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to do this, make this legitimate. And so since, you know, since then I, I, uh, you know, have a business license and, um, I do use Airbnb. I'll have my own website too. So people can contact me directly, um, which is, BaysideBungalow.com, uh, and you know Airbnb has been has been a great tool, and I think if anybody out there is is interested in renting out their tiny house or any space in their house, I mean you can rent out your driveway on Airbnb or your yurt in your backyard. Um, you know if anybody's thinking of doing that, it's a great tool. They offer um, some some great security for you for your guests. I've you know I, I ask a deposit, so I have a little bit of a. Um, you know, I haven't had to use it, but, but I have a little bit of security there that if something were to happen, I can cover the cost of that. So what were you, what were you getting when you, were, when you were renting it out at a suggested donation? What were you getting? Gosh, I don't remember. I think I was asking something like between 60 and $80 a night or something like that. Um, and, you know... That was, people were happy to pay that. Wow. Um, now with, there's a lot more demand, so I've increased the prices a bit, and I charge sales tax and remit sales tax to the state of Washington. So, you know, it's it's more than that now, um, but it's, you know, it's been a, it's been really fun, and it's been a great source of kind of like supplemental income for me. Would you consider building another tiny house to increase your rental properties? Oh yeah, that's that's in the works right now. We're we're kind of trying to figure out the the what, when, and where of you know where it would be parked and 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 all of that. But I would love to build another one. You know, I, there's there's people that contact me about this house, um, the Bayside Bungalow, that are um, 
not as mobile maybe and not comfortable with getting up the stairs um, or, you know, don't feel comfortable like crawling up that way. So I've, you know, I think there's definitely a demand too for, for tiny houses that have, mine have an actual like ladder. So, you know, something that's like got stairs where people can easily get up into the bed or has a sleeping area downstairs. I think that's what, um, what I might do next, something like that. So what's, Tell us a couple of stories about your favorite guest. Do you have any like? Or least. Or least. Oh my gosh! Oh. Three-part question. Okay. Get so. some. Get ready for notes here. It's gonna be a long one. <laughs> oh my gosh! So well, part one, um, who is your favorite? Part two, who was your least favorite? You don't even have to name names. Well, we'll let you off the hook there. <laughs> and then part three, but you do have to name names, is famous. People. Oh, so one. who's so who's the like the most famous person? That's a good one. Um, that's that stayed in your Bayside bungalow. All right. Can I start with the last one first? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I I mean maybe there's some people that I just didn't recognize their names before, <laughs> but uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Deke Diedrichsen of um, gosh, remind me what is it? Uh, is it Relax Shacks? Uh, Relax Shacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All together now. <laughs> He, he stayed out here. He was actually doing a, a book signing at a bookstore uh, in downtown Olympia. So he hit me up and um, was able to have him out at the tiny house. And um, he loved it. You know, it was fun to meet him. I had never met him. And so I think he, he might have, like, taken some photos or done a little blog or something like that about his stay there. But um, – I don't know. I find that, you know, the Paris Hiltons just aren't really, <laughs> aren't really interested in staying at a tiny house with a compost toilet. Well, um, I mean, it could be like local city officials, the, the you mayor know, of the mayor, the governor. <laughs> no, none of them, unfortunately. In due time, I guess. So what, what, what are some of the other experiences you've had as a vacation rental owner in terms of the guests? Yes. Most of my stories, I think, are really positive. There's really very few bad apples in my in my community of guests that I've had over the couple of years. I think my my favorite one of my favorite stories of my guests. Because, well, and I should say, you know, this the tiny house is on my parents' property, so I don't live there. I live about 15 minutes away in downtown Olympia, and so. Uh, you know, I usually don't meet my guests. I, I leave little notes for them at the tiny house and, you know, I'm in touch with them via email. Um, uh, but you know, a lot of times I don't get a chance to meet them. And, um, there was one gentleman that contacted me for a gift for his eight year old son. And he wanted to take his son out to the tiny house because his son had found my website. He was, he just had really become obsessed with tiny houses and had Googled tiny houses and found my website and was like totally wanting to stay at the tiny house. His dad was like looking over his shoulder and like seeing what web address he was at. And, uh, so as a secret, the, the father booked the, the stay for a weekend with his son. And, uh, he, he later, you know, told me that as they drove down the driveway, you know, his son didn't know where they were going. And as he drove down the driveway, the son just, <laughs> just, I guess his eyes just, you know, lit up and he wow. was just so excited. And, 
um, I think they had, they had a really, really great stay. And, you know, when I got back to the house after they had left, I, you know, he had, he had left me all these sketches, the, the eight-year-old had left me all these sketches of the tiny house that he wanted to build. And I think even like a little 3d model that he had made of his house and wow. you know, all these little thank you notes that he had drawn for me. So, um, you know, I, and they've actually come back to stay several other times after that as, as little like father son getaways. That is so cool. That is so awesome. Are they? Do they live in Olympia? They don't. I think they live somewhere north, um, a little further north in the Puget Sound area. But um, you know, most of my most of the guests do come from the Pacific Northwest. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I get a few people that are um, that are actually kind of making this a destination. Like I have the woman staying out there right now who's from California. I met at a, a workshop, and she you know flew up to to stay up here. She wanted to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Now you kind of alluded to this earlier that a lot of your guests are people kind of testing out the tiny house lifestyle to probably see if they can actually do it or not. Do you get a do you get a sense after they stay from any follow up emails or anything that they're going to go ahead and buy one or build one or anything like that? Yeah. The, so I have a little guest book out there at the tiny house, and the first thing I do when I when I go back to the tiny house to to clean it up after people leave is is I look at the guest book because that's you know because I don't have the luxury of meeting these people, but I can kind of get a glimpse into their their life and their experience there through reading their little notes in the guest book, and and um, you know most people you know, are so thankful for the experience that, and, and, and do say at the time, at least that they are still, are now like really still have solidified their plans to, to live in a tiny house. Um, you know, I do get a few other people that, you know, say like, thank you so much. We had a great time, but now we've realized that this size of tiny house is not for us. (laughs) And Hey, if I can save somebody, you know, $50,000 from buying a tiny house, you know, without trying it out. Great. Or if I can save somebody a year of their life in building their own tiny house, then great. And if I can, you know, if, if for some reason, you know, maybe staying at the tiny house is, has inspired them to live a little smaller in their current lifestyle, then awesome. You know, (laughs) there's, there's ways to, to live tiny in, in any way. Uh, any aspect of our life. It's definitely a, a way for people to experience the experience and then decide, as opposed to building from a dream. Well, and she was also, again, this is also before Tiny House right. Hotel yeah. as right. well. I mean, here in Portland. There's no way to test it. Right, yeah. exactly. So yep. here in Portland, you know, that's a popular way to sort of try on Tiny here. But again, her house has been available, you know, even long before the Tiny House Hotel was, was in existence. So, um... Yeah, and Deke, by the way, uh, we interviewed him on the podcast. He's a really fun guy, so I'm I'm glad you got to meet him. That was that must have been a fun conversation. Yeah, it was it was great. I think his interview comes out next week. I think so. Whatever you do, don't let him and his metal band stay there. Exactly. Don't rip the shit out. Of him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess I'm I'm remembering your question about the bad guests, and, and that is so hard. I don't really have any any horribly bad guests. You know, there's just always the the horror stories as, you know, a business owner where something goes wrong and your customer is disappointed or something, you know, and it's and it's maybe nothing that I've done wrong, but just something happened and you know, I mean I, I think I mentioned this before, I have a, a compost toilet in the tiny house. It's it's a urine diverting toilet. And I remember getting this this call from a guest and she's like, I I think something moved in the toilet or broke because there's <laughs> urine coming out on the floor all over the place. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, that might be a little gross, but it's a reality of, of, of tiny houses. So, you know, I had to kind of stop everything that I was doing at the moment and run out there. And it was an easy fix, but yeah. something had just been bumped. But, um, you know, it's there's time involved in, in kind of maintaining the vacation rental uh, that sometimes you don't think about. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. So yeah, you have. I, I, so one of the parts of maintaining this house is going out and emptying that composting toilet from time to time. That is true. Yes. What do you do uh, with the waste? So I actually compost it uh, on on the property. I have a there's an old chicken coop on the property that's pretty much now just a shed. We don't have chickens anymore. And then I kind of have a big barrel composter in there where it would compost, um, you know, completely contained system. But it's essentially just a big five, uh, 50 gallon drum that I, I put it all in. It takes about a year to compost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I set it aside for another year to kind of fully cure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, we, we use it around the grounds of the property on like the landscaping. And right. it's, it works, it works really well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So um, one last question: um, Do you have any? What advice do you have for other tiny house builders or other people that are considering building a tiny house as a rental? Um, you, your rental sort of ended up being non-intentional, but there are people out there that are that are thinking about building them as a rental or as an income source. What's what's your what's your advice for them? My advice would be to to first you know, look at the kind of the, the regulations around that and, and what is needed from a business standpoint, you know, um, get a business license, do it the right way, pay your sales taxes, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and get insurance that will cover not just your tiny house, but will will cover it as a business. Um, and, you know, do things right that way. Cause you never know what, what could happen. Um, and, and, and from, you know, a kind of design standpoint, I've, I've actually stayed in a few tiny, or a tiny house in particular I can think of, I won't name any names, <laughs> that was, is a vacation rental, and um, it was, you know, built by another person, then purchased by the, the owners and put in their backyard as a vacation rental, and, um, you know, it was, it was very clear upon staying there like a night or two that the house had never been lived in by a person, fully lived in, you know, there weren't hooks to hang anything on there wasn't a place to put my you know put my things there you know in bed I kept hitting my knees on like lights you know it's just like it wasn't designed for for living in and for being comfortable and it was you know designed by a builder who kind of I think was doing it kind of quick and dirty and and you know it was cute it was really cute but I really recommend um you know if if you're just kind of buying or building a tiny house for rental to like design it as if you're designing your own home and can, you know, and think of yourself in there full time and what you're going to want to be comfortable. Um, I think that's, that's really key, but I mean, and then you can kind of go too far with that where if you're renting out your house and you have lived in it, you know, clear out the bookshelf a little bit. Like it shouldn't feel like you're walking into your grandmother's study or something (laughs) where everything is on the walls, like coming out at you. Uh, You know, it should feel like home to someone else too, I think. Um, And, you know, make it personalize it, you know, make it, make it you. I think that's kind of where Airbnb is going with, you know, really making people feel at home. It's, it shouldn't feel like a hotel. It shouldn't feel totally sterile, you know, um, it should feel like, like an extension of your own home that you're welcoming people into. Awesome. Very nice.
Well, Brittany, thank you so much for your time today and uh, for your stories and filling us in on what, what has gone on with the uh, Bayside Bungalow. We appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. It was nice to meet you all. Yeah. And, and listeners, be sure to turn in next tune, tune in geez, <laughs> next week on uh, our next episode of Tiny House Podcast. Talk to you then. See you. Be you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>